We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Yeah, what's so great about dumb old Texas? What did you say? Texas is dumb? Don't you dare take the name of Texas in vain! You mean we can't say anything bad about dumb old Texas? No, you can't! Oh, then can we say people from Texas are dumb? No, you can't say nothing about Texas! Oh, so we shouldn't say anything bad about Texas! Look, Patrick, I'm Texas! Texas too. Get a dog, little honey. Get a dog. The stars at night are dull and dim. Whenever they have to be over, dumb old stupid Texas. Hey, Patrick, what am I now? Uh, stupid? No, I'm Texas. What's the difference? <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Nate, I did not want to do this. I mean, it's two weeks in a row now, and I that, that's like the worst thing to say as like a radio host, but like dude, this is this is bad. This two is weeks really in a row of, of painful football. I I just don't mm, it just hurts, you know? Yep. And I don't really know. I don't really know what else to say, you know, like we, you know what we can, we can just get, we'll just get into the Baylor stuff. Cause you know, there's no point in dancing around it, but, oh man, that was, I don't want to say it was bad because here's the thing. The Iowa state game was bad. The Iowa state game was really bad, but this, this just hurt. This was this, just kind of pathetic. This really like, hurt. Yeah. It was, it was just like, I don't even know. Like, it obviously wasn't as pathetic as the Iowa State game because that was no. ridiculous. But, like, this was just, like, a mismanaged game. Oh, I agree. Like, it just it, it felt like the players didn't – they were actually, like, playing pretty well. The game itself was just very, like, poorly coached and poorly managed. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And, you know, we, we were kind of talking. We were texting throughout the game, especially after the game. Um, when I texted you that if we lost this game, I was going to go jump off my roof. Uh, and lo and behold, I'm still here. So some thankful for that. Happening. Glad for that. Thankful for that, right? Yes. <laughs> Can't do that on Thanksgiving weekend, but we're no. here. And oh man, Will Howard, nine of 18, 88 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Deuce Vaughn, arguably, you know, I'd say probably with his with his best rushing game of the season. I'd just say, as a pure rusher. As a yeah. pure rusher, I think this was his best game. You could throw, you know, the Oklahoma game up there is a good game for him. You could throw Arkansas State up there for him. I think that this was, as a pure rusher, as a running back, I think this was probably his best game, 19 yard, nineteen carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. His longest, I believe, being like a 29, 30, 31-yard run there uh, to put us up two scores late in the fourth quarter. And then Briley Moore led the team in receiving uh, two receptions for 55 yards. And then uh, Malik Knowles also had a 75-yard touchdown run to open our second series. Good Lord, this was – you know, I, I, I had faith from the beginning, as I always do, you know, because whether or not you're going to lose, it's going to hurt anyways. So why not just go all out and, you know, support your team the entire time? But, man, after, after – Will threw that pick on the very first drive, and I knew he was going to do it too. We were either going to punt or there was going to be a turnover, and that that sucks to say after everything that I just said. I sound like a hypocrite at that point, but seeing what you know, Will has done over the course of the season so far, I don't like when we open the game on offense. I think our defense plays a lot better when they're on the field first. And then it gives our offense more, you know, confidence and momentum when they come out onto the field. Cause you know, we come out, we throw a pick on the first drive, three plays later, Charlie Brewer runs in for a touchdown, very next play on offense, Malik Knowles. Like I said, I think once the defense is on the field after that, the offense is fine. And 
you know, they proved it with a one play 75 yard touchdown. So then after that, another touchdown from Deuce Vaughn, an eight yard pass on the goal line on third, third and goal, by the way, third and eight from the eight yard line, which good Lord, why are we still throwing the ball at that point? But at least get it into the hands of your best player. Then after that, Blake Lynch scored a field goal. So we're up 17 to six at this point going into the half. John Mayers, which I think is just a, a hilarious name. The announcers are having a, a fun time with his name. The announcers were awful, goal. by the Oh, way. yeah, they were bad. They, they were, were horrible. Almost yeah. as bad as the refs, and we'll get the into ref, that. Yeah, the yeah, game we'll was into that. Oh, it, was, <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. Then R.J. Sneed had a 23-yard pass from Charlie Brewer. Uh, the two-point conversion failed, so they're down two at this point, 17 to 15. Then we go into the fourth quarter where things just got out of hand. Will Howard had a 24-yard touchdown run, making the score 24-15. to Tristan Ebner had an 8-yard reception from Charlie Brewer, making the score 24-22. Deuce Vaughn with a 38-yard touchdown run. It was a little bit longer than I thought. Again, making it a two-score game. It is a two-score game with nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, 31-22. Charlie Brewer, a one-yard touchdown run, nine-play drive, took up almost five minutes off the clock, which was insane. 31-29, and then we get to this. And here's the thing. I I wasn't sure what to make of the ending, but going through Twitter, which is not a reliable source to get your information really at all, don't do that, but it's the fastest way, I'd say. When I was going through Twitter, I think I saw something that perfectly summed up this game, and that's the K-State was not playing to win they were playing to not lose and i think that's just the perfect way to describe the ending of this game you run the ball three times in a row right up the middle with the smallest guy that you if you're gonna run the ball up the middle do it with harry trotter Trotter, yeah get a power back with the guy with the guy and that's the thing and that's such like an oxymoron to use there because harry trotter is not a power back he's just yeah someone power back like player that we have so why you're running it up the middle with Deuce Vaughn with roughly four minutes left to go in the game baffles my mind. And the play calling was not good the whole game. A lot of people were, were talking about Kleiman not doing his job, and I, I would disagree with that. I don't know where you're, where you're standing on the whole coaching thing. I do not like Courtney Messingham. I think he's done a bad job all season calling the plays. I went back through some of the other, you know, forums, Twitter, whatever, blogs, whatever it may be. The people at North Dakota State didn't even like him when they were winning national championships at that level. So to have to hear people say that this is Kleiman's fault, that's just a, a blatant lie. I think no, that's not this his. is this is a Courtney Messingham offensive coordinator play calling issue and granted we're not going to have like dana dimmels and here's the thing dana dimmel was not the greatest offensive coordinator in k-state history but he got it done i think i think that's fair to say but mm-hmm. Courtney messingham is just not getting it done in my mind i wouldn't be surprised if he came back for another season but personally i do not want him here anymore yeah and you know it's interesting like Messingham's obviously been like Kleiman's guy um, and he's been with him at North Dakota state, but um, you know, maybe I'm looking way too into this, but one of the post game comments, he seemed kind of fed up like, uh, sorry, Kleiman seemed kind of like fed up and he was asked some questions about play calling and he was kind of like, don't ask me, ask Messingham. He like, he kind of like said it and kind of like a fed up kind of, and you know, maybe I'm looking way too into that, but like, I, I wouldn't, like I hope I'm not. I really hope he's. I really hope he's. He's kind of pissed because like he should be, and everyone should be, because um, the offense has really been not getting it done. Like you said, they were calling plays not to lose. They weren't even trying to win, so they were just playing as conservative as they possibly could. Um, it was really just a mess. So, yeah. And you brought up the the post game press conference, and I want to play a clip from that right now. This is uh, Chris Kleiman's opening statement which I think he sums, up, uh, he sums up the game pretty well here. Um, not much to say. It's a game that um, we should have won. And um, I, I told the guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sick for them because uh, uh, we did some really good things. 
um, but um, didn't make some winning plays at the end and give uh, Baylor and Charlie Brewer, who I think is an unbelievable player, an unbelievable competitor credit. Uh, they did make the, the plays at the end of the game to win, uh, but um, we'll, we'll, we will win these type of games. And we need to win these type of games. You get these one score, four quarter games, we got to find a way to do it. And we're going to continue to learn, continue to grow from this. Uh, but I'm sick for the guys because we did enough things that uh, we should have had a chance or should have won the game. And, and we didn't and give Baylor credit. And yeah, I think, I think he sums it up. Well, I think, I don't know. Like, what, what, what are your thoughts here? I'm just curious on what, on what you're thinking after hearing, because definitely he's frustrated. You can tell by the way that he's, by the way that he's speaking and what he's saying, he is, he is frustrated. And, you know, you lose, what is it? Three straight now. It's, it's going to happen. And this is something that he's not used to. This, this is four straight games now. Four straight. Sorry. I, no, it's I'm it's pretty to, bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> I haven't won a game bad. since uh, October uh, against KU. KU was our last win. I believe that was Baylor as well. Baylor's last win was against KU as well. So I don't know. I just it just frustrates me. I know it frustrates him because he's like I said, he's not used to this. He's not used to actually having to. I don't want to say actually having to. You know, grind grind out wins, but you know, looking where he, where he came from and the competition that he was playing and who he had playing for him, I think definitely, definitely says that, you know, maybe the talent had something to do with his success. And I think that, you know, if you have Skylar Thompson, I think if you have Justin Hughes and Elijah Sullivan, you know, you probably, you, you definitely play a lot better. I, I am a firm believer that, that we would probably have gone on a win streak if we, if we had Skylar Thompson. I, I firmly believe that, that if Skylar was healthy this entire season, we would have been, what was it, 5-1 and one going into Oklahoma State, and we would most likely be in the Big 12 championship right now. I think we are playing too good of football after the Arkansas state game. And like I said, like I've said before, I think we had to lose to Arkansas state to be able to beat Oklahoma. I think that that's a given. I think we were going to go one and one there and I like how it turned out. Let's lose the out of conference to win the in conference, but he he's frustrated and you can tell. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a real good, showing of character here to see how he responds to losing football games, something that he is not used to. Yeah. And I think, you know what you said about like, I, you think having like talent has something to do with it. I think, I don't know. Cause like, I feel like it's, it's tough. Cause obviously he has better talent now. He's just in a higher level of competition, but I don't know. He, he's, he's more of a defensive minded coach anyway. So he's like, he's, he's been a defensive guy before. Um, so I don't really blame the offense, which I think has been the main problem on, on him. And what you said about Skyler, I don't know. I think we would have won a few more games. I think we want to would have won this game. And I think we would have for sure won Oklahoma state. I don't know if we would have beaten West Virginia, just like, Skyler would have helped, obviously. I think it would have been a pretty good game. Um, something just tells me that, like, if it really is the coaching's fault, I don't think we – I mean, I think we still get thumped by Iowa State uh, just because I don't – I mean, I know that, like, not having Skyler hurt the, you know, morale, hurt the offense in general. There's less energy. And maybe, you know, if we would have scored a little earlier, we would have been able to get some energy going and maybe play a little better. Um, I don't know. Iowa State's just a really good team. And West Virginia – I feel like we, we would have lost those two games, but I, I, I do think if, if we got Skyler, um, I do think we're sitting at, um, at six and three, but you know, I said, uh, maybe this is just a bad, a bad, bad take, but I think maybe losing some of these games might help us in the future. If we're not a fan of messing him, because if all of a sudden we're dropping games because of poor play calling, 
that could put him on the hot seat because Kleiman, you know, Kleiman could could fire him. So I don't know if that's actually realistically going to happen or if that's just wishful thinking at this point. But um, like I know that like the Chiefs, I'm a big Chiefs fan. I don't think if they if they would have made the Super Bowl the year that they lost to the Patriots, they wouldn't have fired Bob Sutton and we'd still have just an awful defense. And I mean, our defense isn't great, but you know, it's better than it was. So I, I think that was one of the situations where you actually had to lose to put yourself in a position to win long-term and maybe that's happening now. Maybe that's just wishful thinking, but I don't know. No, I think, I think you hit it right on the head. I think, yeah, I, I really have nothing else to add. I think you kind of summed it up well there that, you know, if we, if we continue to have, you know, poor play calling and, and here's the thing, play calling and execution are two different things. Execution comes down to the players. The play calling comes down to the coaches. So if we're, if we have the right stuff set up, if we have the right play calling, but no execution that's on the players, but if we have bad play calling and decent execution, then who's that on? It's on the coaches. And I think you, I think you hit it right on the head there coming up later in the show, Texas preview after that. I was, I was telling you, I've been waiting on that intro like all season. And I was, I was really mad that this was the last game of the year because I've been wanting to use that all year so far, but we have Texas preview coming up later on as well. K-State basketball is in full swing and they are playing just about as well as the football team. And then after that, the MVP race is heating up in the NFL. Stay tuned. You are listening to Wildcat 91.9 new music. Now, I am your host, Colin Settle, along with Nate Gray. This is Settling the Score. Now, getting on to the monument. I want, you know, I'm not, even, I'm not gonna hype it up. This is Texas. Texas are frauds. We've been saying it all season long. I was about to, I was about to hype this up and make it a big thing. No, this is this is Texas. And you know, I don't want to like overshoot that because here's the thing: Texas is a good football team, but they, I don't think they're anywhere near as good as people say they are or think they are. No, they're they're soft, and they really always have been soft. Even when they're winning like national championships and stuff, they're winning off talent. They've always been soft. So I don't know. They, ah, uh, like I, I'm excited for the game because like they are frauds, but like are are we frauds? That's what I'm starting to think. So I don't know. Um, this could just be the fraud bowl. This could be just two fraudulent <laughs> teams playing, but man, I don't know. Sam Ellinger, 2,100 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, the to five interceptions. I can no say that Elling- I can in good conscience say that Sam Ellinger is better than Will Howard. I said it. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He's a better I, quarterback. You know what? Well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Will Howard is in the bottom tier of big 12 Absolutely. quarterbacks. Right now, it, statistically, if you if you look at it, he had the lowest uh, passer rating throughout all of the Big Twelve, even below KU, um, who got demolished in hilarious fashion. Uh, you know, and it's just it it is what it is. You throw in a, and we've been saying it all season. You throw in a nineteen year old true freshman that really shouldn't even be in the game right now. You know, it it is what it is. But then you look at. Uh, is it Ellinger or Ellinger? Because I've been saying I just Ellinger. Say Ellinger. I've been saying Ellinger over the last like two years that, yeah, I that think I've been either. watching him play. But I, I honestly, I don't know. I've heard. I, I say, I think it's probably Ellinger, but I'm gonna say Ellinger because it's Texas, and I have no respect for Texas. So that's fair. That's very fair. I'll keep saying Ellinger because I don't want to be inconsistent. He also leads the team in rushing. He has 105 carries for 338 yards and eight touchdowns, leading the team in receptions. I'm trying to pull up his favorite. Brandon Eagles, he has 24 receptions, 428 yards, and five touchdowns. He's a six foot four junior. That's a big boy right there. Uh, speaking of, we'll have Big Boy of the Week coming up later on. Stay tuned for that as well. But looking, uh, looking at the stats here, Texas averages around 438 yards per game. They give up around 400 yards per game. Uh, the Cats averaging just around 325 yards and giving up uh, around 426 yards per game. You know, it's just uh, 
it's it, it it is what it is. You know, I look at I look at Texas's last few games here. They lose to OU. They beat Baylor. Everyone beat Baylor except for us. They beat Oklahoma State. You know, we also should have won. And then they beat West Virginia. Then they lose to Iowa State this last week, and that pretty much puts Iowa State in the Big Twelve championship, and that hurts my soul. What what hurts me even more is that it's leave my mouth. What hurts me even more is that it's it's going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma, and it's, it's just not even like, how did Oklahoma, it's not even like how did State. how did Oklahoma pull this out? Like they just they always figured out, and it hurts me to say this, but Oklahoma's going to win. They're not going to lose yeah. to Iowa State twice, twice in a season. In the season. Yeah. No, Oklahoma's too good to do that. And yeah, it's gosh, it's so annoying. Oklahoma was unranked at one point in this season as well. They they fell out of the top 25 for probably the first time in a good 10 years, maybe. But somehow they're they're coming back. It, you know, I and we we've been saying it. We've been saying it throughout the season so far that I don't like this Texas team. I don't think that, you know, they're very I don't want to say they're not very good because they're they're a good team but they are not as good as people say that they are the whole we're back thing. You know, Texas is back, you know, whatever. That's not true. The but, media just wants Texas to be back. Oh yeah. And oh, they're yeah. not back. And they're not back. It's the same thing with the Cowboys as well. There's something about Texas football or football in the state of Texas that is just ridiculous. It's dumb. It's, it's dumb. They beat UTEP. Big whoop, you know, Ellinger, Pat Ellinger, Ellinger. You see, you got me doing it now. It's at Ellinger passed for full, over 400 yards that game. Then they go out and beat Tech in overtime. Then they lose to TCU. They lose to Oklahoma. Tech, they, they should have lost to Tech, too. They should have lost That was a Tech. ridiculous game. That was, that was a dumb game that Tech should have won in in overtime. They, they absolutely blew that. Was that the game where they were up, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like two scores? And then Texas had to like they, kick an onside kick, and it was, it was a. Whole they were thing. up ten points with like a minute left, and yeah. they lost. Like and they, it, they, and they gave lost up the game. onside kick, and it was crazy. In overtime, they lost in overtime. <clears throat> so, yeah, Tech Tech are also fraud. All these Texas schools are frauds. That's all. That's all that I have to say about that. Then they go beat Baylor, uh, not very handily either. I will say they only beat Baylor by eleven, which is. <clears throat> pretty abysmal, I will say. Baylor is not a good football team, but K-State is an even worse football team. So at the, at this point in the season. So that is what it is. That's just kind of been my mantra, you know, for, for all of 2020. It's just it is what it is. And that's just kind of where I've been for this entire season as well. You know, they beat Oklahoma State in overtime as well. Then you beat West Virginia in a close game where Ellinger only had 184 passing yards. Then your game against KU is postponed. Then you lose to Iowa State, and then you have us. So I I, I want to say I feel good on paper, but looking at, looking at this K-State team, I just don't know. No, I, I don't feel good about it, and I – the way we've been playing the last few weeks, I, I'm not going to feel good about it. So, um, gosh, it's just so like, yeah, like we, I, we are, a, we are such a better team than what our record says. And our record is like that because we somehow have found ways to lose. So I, I don't know. I just can't really, I can't say that I feel good about it and I, I just don't feel good about it. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I want to be optimistic, but at the same time, this our Kiss State is just not playing good football. They, I mean, they find ways to score, they find ways to make stops, but this team just cannot finish games, and that is just the most upsetting part of it all. Is that this team just cannot find ways to finish and win games in the second half, and that's and that's you know, ultimately the biggest, uh, the biggest downfall at all. Nate, you're not a betting man made this very clear. Not a betting man at all. If you had to, uh, 
If you had to make a bet here, Texas is favored uh, 86% to win this game. There's no spread yet. I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be somewhere around 10 toward Texas. Where? What are you thinking here prediction-wise? I would take the Cats to cover. I won't bet on them to win, though. I will just – I just will never bet on them to win. Um, they could be playing 20 more games this year, and I don't think I'd bet, bet on them to win one. But I'd always bet on them to cover. So, um, especially when it's plus money like that or plus line – uh, plus points. Sorry. Um, yeah. What I, I honestly have a feeling it's going to be closer to 14, 15 points just because they love Vegas loves Texas. They love the pretty names, the the cute teams like Texas. So I, I would, I would take it because I, I assume it's going to be pretty inflated. So, yeah. Do you have a, do you have a score prediction? I don't want to make a score prediction, but I will. <laughs> um, I'm going to just continue to hold faith that we'll win, even though I uh, – well, I say that. I don't – it's it's going to be – I think I think we're going to lose by 10. And I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be um, 21 to 30 – or 24-34. That will be the final. I respect that. I respect that. I think, you know, if we have Justin Hughes back, if we have Elijah Sullivan, I think the defense will play better, but if they're not, we're going to, we're going to give up points. And I think that's, what's going to happen here. I didn't have anything written down. I'll say 38, 27. I'll have to go Texas on this one. I think Will Howard will probably have around 120 passing yards give or take two touchdowns, probably an interception or two. Deuce Vaughn will leave the team in rushing uh, with a little over a hundred yards. I think a little over a hundred total yards, I think for Deuce Vaughn in this game and at least one touchdown. And I think, I honestly think we're probably going to see a little bit more Malik Knowles uh, here in this game after, after what we saw against Baylor. I think he's, he's kind of coming around uh, a little too bit too late to say, you know, in the last two games. Well, the, the team season. doesn't the team doesn't utilize him well. In they like, you, they like, utilize the receivers well. Like they need to like, gosh, he's not a great receiver, but he's just such a good athlete that if yeah. you get him the ball and get him space, he's going to yep. make plays. So he's the guy that we need to be hitting on short, get him on screens, um, just get him open. It doesn't have yeah. to be some deep bomb and. Sebastian Taylor is more of the deep threat. Oh yeah, I agree. Then you have Bradley Moore just, as well. It's yeah, there's you have the good. Weapons. You have the weapons. There are weapons on this team that they're not utilizing, and it's really frustrating because this team is too talented to yeah. possibly not be going to a bowl game if we yeah. lose this game. Well, everyone's is, bowl just, eligible, so oh, are they? We'll, yeah, we'll just have to see. It'll Every be team. it'll be a lower lower angle, I believe so. Yeah, because they were talking about uh, Liberty not making a bowl, even though they're like ten and one at this point because yeah. of. They, they don't have a uh, – what is it, like a bowl, like a matchup? Because, like, the Big 12 plays the SEC, and, like, also they don't have, like, a matchup or whatever that is. You said 34-24. I say 38-27. Big Boy of the Week. Coming up next, you're listening to Settling the Score right here on Wildcat 91.9. New music now. I'm your host, Colin Settle, alongside Nate Gray. Thanks for sticking with us here. now. There, there were a lot of, I will say, there were a lot of big boys scoring touchdowns uh, this week in, in I, you know, I'll say the NFL. I feel like there was probably some in college football. I didn't see that. I was too depressed, uh, you know, after everything going on throughout the week. And then, you know, you have the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day games, trying to get that out in one word. And that is where we got just this beautiful gem that I will play for you right now. Had just 185 yards against Carolina. They put up seven. It's JJ who pulls it down and takes it home. My goodness, he makes another huge play on Thanksgiving. Well, this is JJ Watt special. Nobody in the, I would say, ever in the history of football is as good at passes defense. He's got like 68 or 70 or something in his career, which is nuts for a D lineman. He jumps up and hits it. Interception. Monster, monster play for this team. He not- and this is what JJ Watts, like seventh, eighth touchdown in his career, which is just insane. He has probably three or four pick sixes, probably a fumble recovery, and then like two reception touchdowns at the tight end position. I just, oh man, I just wish that 
he had better talent around him. You know what I mean? Because he's he's what a two-time defensive player of the year. Uh, didn't he almost win MVP or something like that? Like, yeah, he's like one of those guys that like is one of the only defensive players that's like kind of in the MVP conversation. Like I think Ray Lewis was like that. And I know he like won like Aaron a Super Donald. Bowl MVP. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, him and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald had, like, also had a big well, game. Yeah, Aaron Donald, yeah, as well. But he put up what in his because he is what one or two defensive player of the years because he had like 27 sacks in a season or something like that. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. I think that if, if JJ Watt had more talent around him or if he were on a better team, I think that, I think that he would have much, much more success. Yeah, I agree. Looking towards other disappointing, uh, geez, K-State sports news. The basketball team uh, is off to just a blazing hot start. They are 0-2 after losing in uh, in the Little Apple Classic. They lose to they drop the opener to Drake, 80 to 70. Mike McGurl was the high score in points. They were 22 rebounds. I believe it was Antonio Gordon, Antonio Dejuan. It just says Gordon with seven, and then Nigel Pack uh, led an assist with five. Then on Friday, they dropped their second game to Colorado, 76 to 58. Nigel Pack leading the team with 12, 12 points. points. 12 Your points. leading score Your has leading 12, score. 12 points. And Goodness. then either, either Antonio or Dejuan Gordon had uh, seven points or seven rebounds, and then Mike McGurl led in assists. With five, but yeah, you're right. Having your leading scorer that can't happen. <laughs> have only twelve points as a leading scorer, that's an issue. It's not and how you win. <laughs> personally, personally, I think it's just because the team is so young. We have what five true freshmen, yeah, starting. Uh, not starting, but at least getting playing time throughout throughout the game. But in my mind, that is what is holding this team back right now. Oh, totally. And they – I didn't watch much of the games, but I tried to watch some of the replays to see how they looked. And they – yeah, they just look young. And they – you can tell that there's, like, talent there, which is which is nice. Um, but right now they're just not – they're just not playing well together. And they're a young team. They haven't played much together. So I, I'm kind of giving them a pass, but um, it's still kind of disappointing. I agree. I, I wanted to play uh, the – Sorry, excuse me. The uh, the Bruce Weber uh, post game press conference after Colorado on Friday after that loss, and I'll play. Uh, I'll play the the beginning of this clip now. Well, obviously, I was I, I was pleased with the energy, the effort, especially the start of game, first half. Uh, you know, we if we would have had that energy and effort against Drake, uh, I, I I totally believe the outcome would have been different. And you know, it's part of. Uh, dealing with the young team, trying to be patient. I was really happy with, as I said, with that. Uh, obviously, some, you know, some plays that went against us. Uh, we have a 13-point lead in the first half. Uh, Nigel gets hit. Uh, we get an intentional or flagrant foul. Bunch of free throws in a row. Uh, totally, you know, changes the game. But to our guys' credit, we finished the half, took the lead. I thought second half, obviously, right was just special and I, I got to give him credit. Um, you know, we, 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 we got into him, we pushed him, we made him make plays and he stepped up and really made plays. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think that he, you know, kind of like climbing, I think he just summed it up. Well, you know, is, is this is just a young team. I think we kind of hit it as well is that this is just a young team. And they need time to develop with each other, to develop that sort of chemistry so that they, they can just play better together. They're good as individuals, but they need to be better as a cohesive group, in my mind. Yeah, and they, have, they had decent guard play last year. So I'm, I'm excited to see some of those young guards come back, plus some more, obviously. But um, – I believe is it David Bradford? Is that the the big Davian, guy they got? Davian Bradford, a personal Davian. favorite uh, of mine and my brother. I will say, shout out to my brother, personal yeah uh, of ours from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Davian Bradford is seven foot, two hundred, I believe, sixty pounds. He is a two thirty five, maybe. He is a massive human. Yeah, and that's that's what they need because the last few years, like 
Yeah, they had McCall Maywean and Levi Stockard, but neither one of those guys were that good. And they were just kind of there because we needed a big man. You have, you have Dean Wade, but Dean Wade is more. Dean Wade, yeah. Dean, Dean Wade's more. I see more of him as a power forward. I agree. I don't see him yeah. strictly as a center because he has that range outside. But we just this team has lacked like a true center. Yeah, for, the, for I agree. a while. I agree, and I so, think Davey's I gonna, hope that's I think what he is going to be that guy. I agree. You know, like like I said, seven foot. He's like anywhere between two thirty five and two hundred sixty pounds. That's a big dude. That is a massive guy. I yeah. I predict him to get multiple Big Boy of the Week awards here in the future, <laughs> just by just by his size alone. Speaking of JJ Watt, was the Big Boy of the Week? If I didn't make that clear earlier on for his for his 20 yard pick six it was just beautiful jj watt big boy of the week congratulations to him uh jj watt yes but but i'm telling you right now i think uh i think davian bradford is going to be something really special just looking at uh the true freshman on on the roster as well i think davian's going to be one of those guys that's going to stand out and i think nigel pack is going to be another one of those guys that stands out as well. I mean, you see, he's already he's already hitting, uh, you know, leaderboards in in you know, say he's leading the team in assists in some games. He did lead the team in points uh, with twelve against Colorado. Uh, not not a ton, but he still led the team in a in a valiant effort. I mean, he's a freshman, Definitely. correct? He, yeah, I believe Nigel Pack is a freshman. Yes. Yeah. So, so to be to be leading the team as a scorer, regardless, is impressive as a freshman. Yeah, six foot, one hundred eighty pounds, freshman. So, yeah, I think he he can be really special. I think Luke Kasupki. I hope I'm saying his last name right. I think he could also be really good. Um, but yeah, you lose you lose guys like you lose Cardi to the to the transfer portal he's at uh virginia tech i believe yeah virginia tech you know you lose guys like him you know you lose other seniors xavier sneed who also got uh he got signed uh to an nba i believe to charlotte i could be wrong um in hmm. north carolina he got he got a deal out there good for him dean wade's doing good stuff but you know you lose these these bigger name talent players and you need to find guys to fill those holes and unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, the guys that are filling these holes are guys that haven't played at the collegiate level. They're young guys that haven't played with each other as well, and they just don't have a ton of experience. I think that is just the downfall here of this team. I think that I think the K-State has a lot. They have so much potential, so much potential. I really think that within the next five years, they could be competing for a big 12 championship by the time these true freshmen are seniors, they're all, hopefully they stick around. They'll all be playing with each other for the past three years going into their senior season. I think, I think that this team could be really, really good here within the next two, three, four, even five years after that. Yeah. And what's, what's tough about K-State basketball is we're always going to be compared to KU basketball because KU is a big in-state rival. But KU basketball, the way it is, just being a national blue blood program, doesn't have to rebuild. They just reload each year. So they just get new studs every year. And we're, not, we're never going to be able to just reload like that. We have to actually rebuild. And right now we're rebuilding. So you just have to take that as it is, accept that, you know, we're probably not going to be that good. You know, celebrate the good stuff, but – also understand that um, the team's not there yet. We're not going to be there for a few years and really just give them a break and let them develop. You just got to stick with them through the bad stuff. I, I like, I like how you put that celebrate, celebrate the high points and then stick with them in the low. I think, yeah. I think that's just the best way to approach this team in this season, because everyone, I think, I think a majority of people were saying, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a bad season. This is going to be one of the worst seasons this is going to be the season that's going to fire Bruce Weber and he's going to be gone after, after, you know, however long he's been here and we're finally going to get rid of him. And <clears throat> excuse me, I, I don't have, you know, any positive or negative things to bring about to Bruce Weber and what, what he's done here at K-State. But I think saying that, that the year that you get rid of him is, you know, the worst year within the next like four or five, I think that that is not the right move. I think this team is on is on the up, and I think that 
there, there's a lot of potential here. And if you bring in a new coach that they haven't seen before, when they're, when they're just starting to, you know, figure things out, it just puts them back at, at ground zero. It sends them back to level one, you know, and they have nothing to build off of. So to all the Bruce haters and not saying that, that I'm a Bruce hater or, or not, you know, I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, go, go at him like I did Courtney Messingham. But, you know, use this, use this season as an opportunity to see what he does with these younger true freshmen to see if they actually excel and see if they can improve throughout the season going on to next season and then go from there. If we have a bad season with a bunch of true freshmen with only one senior on the roster, I believe, in Mike McGurl, I could be wrong there, but I believe we only I think that's right. In Mike McGurl, then you know that's just that's not the right way to approach this season. Well, and this 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 recruiting class, I could be wrong, but I believe was a top twenty yeah recruiting top, class top in the country. Yep. So, like either all those people, so like you can say what you will about Bruce. You don't have to like him. I've had some beef with him in the past, but I was pretty impressed with. Uh, what he's been able to do recently. So, I mean, I really have faith. I think he's a good guy too. I like him as a, as a person. So I think, I think he's the right guy for K-State. And I think you just got to let him do what he can with these recruits. And, you know, if he gets a top 20 recruiting class and these guys make it through their three or four years um, and they, they suck or they don't make it and they all just start transferring, then yeah, maybe you start looking at, you know, we need to move on from this guy, but these are his guys. He recruited these guys. Let him do something. Let him see what he can do with them. And if he can't, we get through that, and he takes a top twenty recruiting class and can't even make the tournament. Get him out. I agree. I, I yeah, Nate. You, I think, I think you, I think you hit it right on the head yet again. Uh, the Cats take on UMKC tonight. No. Oh wait, no, tonight. no. The Butler, the Butler game got postponed. Sorry, the Butler yeah. game got postponed. Uh, to, to mid-December tonight, they take on UMKC, uh, then UNLV, Milwaukee, and then they open up uh, Big 12 play against Iowa State, and then they take on the dreaded number two in the nation, Baylor, on December 19th. So we'll see, oh we'll see what happens there. I, I don't <laughs> – that'll be a tough one. I guarantee you it'll be, it'll be a tough one. But I hope that – to start the season, at least we'll see these we'll see these true freshmen start to uh, form form more of a little cohesive uh, cohesive bond there with each other and be able to play better with each other. Coming up here to wrap up the show, NFL MVP race is heating up. Stay tuned for that. But first, you are listening to settling the score right here on Wildcat ninety one nine New Music Now. I'm your host, Colin Settle, alongside Nate Gray. Let's get into some NFL MVP discussion here. Because in my mind, in my mind, the front runner right now is still Patrick Mahomes. I think, you know, he goes out and he throws 400 yards and three touchdowns, you know, again, you know, yesterday. I think that was just a phenomenal game for him. Tyreek had 61 fantasy points in my league. I don't know about you, but I, I boost my receiver. I boost my receiver stats if they play well, or my, my receiver points if they play well. So, you know, that, that helped me a little bit, having Tyreek on my team. But I continue to look at what Aaron Rodgers is doing, and in my mind – and, you know, I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be biased here. I'm trying to not be biased. You know, as a, as a Packers fan, and you're a Chiefs fan as well, so we could easily give we could easily give you know points for for you know whoever we want here, but in my mind it's sitting between those two yeah. right now. If you want to throw it, a running back in there, it's probably Derrick Henry. If you want to throw another quarterback in, we'll see. MVP is does MVP is a quarterback's award though. It just is. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't so see, hard to win, especially with the back. quarterbacks in the league right now. I don't see yeah. any running backs winning the MVP here anytime soon. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe Lamar Jackson. Cause he did it last year. So, you know, <laughs> boo this man, boo this yeah. man. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest thing, right? Now, I think I think you kind of hit it on the head. I think it's I think it's definitely a quarterback thing. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because, like I said, I think the only two running backs right now that could even be, you know, let, let, let me say this. I think that if McCaffrey's healthy, he's in the conversation. But in my mind right now, the only two running backs that would be considered for MVP voting are Derrick Henry and maybe Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb's having a really good season. I think Aaron Jones has been kind of on and off the bus a little bit. I think Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb are the two guys in my mind right now that from the running back position would be the two the two guys that would be most likely to win the NF, the MVP. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. No, it won't. Neither one of them will. And I, gosh, I just have to say, as a Nick Chubb fantasy owner, it blows my mind that they continue to use Kareem Hunt in like goal to go and like like yard inches to go settings, and he keeps getting stuffed, and then they keep going back to him, and it's like okay. Surely this is the time where it's like, you know what? And obviously I'm biased. I want Nick Chubb to get those touches, but like they keep giving cream on the ball and he keeps getting he, He's not good. He's not good with the touches he gets, but I digress. I just, I had to go off a little bit there. I agree though. I think it's, I think Mahomes is still the front runner. Rogers is it's still between those two. And I, I, I lean Mahomes. I'm also a little biased. I lean Mahomes, but um, I think they've both had great performances this year. Um, I'm looking what, at I'm looking at I'm looking at the stats right now. I think I think that's also because you can look at records, you can look at like the big yeah. plays and stuff like that. But I think stats are also a really big thing here. Pat Mahomes, three thousand four hundred ninety-seven, almost thirty-five hundred passing yards to thirty touchdowns and two interceptions. Completion percentage of point six eight, uh, almost point six nine, point uh, six eight eight there. And then Aaron Rodgers is sitting at thirty-one hundred passing yards, right on the dot. Uh, with a 0.685% passer rating and 33 touchdowns to four interceptions with really just one kind of bad game against the Bucks. I don't think, you know, the, the other, the other losses for green Bay right now, you know, were were decent where they were decent game losses in talking from yeah. the quarterback position, but that Bucks game was bad. That Bucks game yeah. was really bad. And that's what really kind of drove him down. If he had a good game there, he'd probably have, I don't know, 150, 200 more passing yards, and then maybe two more touchdowns. So he he would be closer to Mahomes in passing yards, but he is still leading him in touchdowns uh, to to interception ratio there, more or less. But I don't know. I think it I think it helps Patrick Mahomes that he has all these weapons. Oh yeah, on his team. I think if Aaron definitely had more weapons. More explosive weapons. I think that they yeah. they do have weapons. We've seen Devontae Adams kind of break out. I'm a big uh, Robert Tanyan guy. You know that. We had a nice conversation about that and oh, how yeah. much I hate Mercedes Lewis. Um, <laughs> but whatever. But, I mean, if you, if you give – I think if you give Aaron Rodgers the, the Tyreek Hill, if you give him – you know, the Travis Kelly, if you give him an actual good tight end instead of getting a new one every two years, like a used car, I think, I think he would definitely have, you know, more success. I think they haven't had a solid tight end since Jermichael Finley. And yeah. that was that Super Bowl season back in 2011. So if we're looking at, at MVP status here, I think Mahomes is still, is still number one. I think, Aaron Rodgers is number two. Russell Wilson, in my mind, is probably number three. Depending on how he plays tonight, I'd probably put Kyler Murray at number four. And then at number five, either – you know, I want to say Josh Allen, but I'd, I'd either go Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, or Dalvin Cook, who I forgot about. I think Dalvin Cook is having an incredible year so far as well. Yeah. He is the most valuable player on the Vikings. He has carried the Vikings to, to the, some of these wins. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's very clearly, like, I don't think really anyone else is competing for it other than Rodgers and, and Mahomes. And, like, yeah, you can throw some other guy, like Josh Allen maybe. Russell Wilson earlier in the year, yes, but so far, as of recent, absolutely not. 
Um, I just, I don't know. There's really not much else to, I just, I think, I think Derrick Henry is the only running back. Um, Derrick Henry or Cook that you could put in that conversation. I just, yeah, it just seemed, it just seems irrelevant to talk about running backs that, because I just don't see a situation where running back would ever really be in real contention for that award unless there was no clear quarterback and someone was having like a 2000 yard uh, campaign. Yeah. Which, which isn't happening. So, you know, say, say what you want about it, but it's just unfortunate that, you know, a running back just isn't going to win this award. And it is, it is, I think because of just the incredible quarterback play, I think Deshaun Watson is doing a lot of good things as well. I just think it's because the quarterback play is just so good that we just aren't going to see a running back win the award. And personally, and I think it, it has to be for a running back to win. It has to be a year where there is no clear quarterback. And like I said, of running backs going off because I just don't like, like a, a, a quarterback is an, is inherently more valuable than a running back. Like yeah. a running back, you just you just don't build around running backs because running backs are very replaceable. Quarterbacks are not replaceable at all, or not not as nearly. I mean, as look at look at look at what happened to the Broncos. I mean, yeah, they're so <laughs> hard to replace. Everything they yeah. had to everything they had to go through. Yeah, so no, you just don't for a quarterback for a running back to be considered the most valuable player in the the league would just have to be really rare. I I agree with you there. I think. In my mind, it's still it's it's Mahomes and Rodgers. It's just going to depend on. I think you know, Mahomes is just a little bit higher than him right now in my mind. I think. That, yeah, I agree. That's where I'm sitting right now. Patrick Mahomes is he's something else. He is. I ah, it's just so much fun. I love I love the time that we're living in where we just have good football that we yeah. can watch when the cats lose. So hopefully, hopefully the cats don't do that. On Saturday, Nate, I appreciate you very much, my friend. Appreciate you too. Hopefully, uh, you know things will get back in the swing next semester as well. So now that Hopefully. we're all now that we're all now that we're all back home after Thanksgiving break and all that good stuff. So, all right, I think uh, I think it's about time we bow out. So, thank you all for tuning in here on uh, Suddenly the Score right here on Wildcat 91.9. We'll be back next week for Texas Recap. <laughs>